0: Do you know someone who always seems to be sick? Maybe you quietly question whether it's on their head or made up to get attention. You might have even wondered what they did to cause it or deserve it. It's easy to be opinionated and even judgmental when it's someone else. But when you're on the other side of the equation, your opinion quickly changes. All of a sudden, instead of judgment, you have sympathy. Instead of suspicion, you have concern. When you've been there, when you've suffered a long-term illness or one which the doctors have no answers or a cure, you see things completely differently. Today I want to talk to you about something that is not discussed often in church, mostly because we don't know what to say. Today I want to talk to you about long-term illness. Perhaps you're there right now. You or a family member has a sickness or a disease for which there is no cure. You're facing a difficult prognosis. The doctor has said that this will always be a part of your life. Maybe you have a chronic condition that, that causes daily pain or discomfort. You do your best to live with it because you can't forget it. It's always there. Maybe you deal with depression, anxiety, or another type of condition. You've tried everything, but nothing works. You're tired, you're frustrated, and you're discouraged. Others of you have a sickness, disease, or pain, but the doctors can't find the cause. It's maddening. All you have is questions, but no answers. Maybe this morning you're not here in the building, but you're watching online. You're in the hospital or you're in your home. You feel hopeless, discouraged, and alone. Others of you maybe aren't going to immediately identify. You're blessed. You never faced that and you hope you never will. I still want you to tune in and listen for several reasons. First, there may be someone in your family or circle of friends that's facing these challenges. You need to better understand how to love, encourage, and pray for them. One day you or someone you love might find yourself in that situation. What you learn today... Will be valuable in the future. I believe God will give you opportunities to share your faith and people and be able to pray for people without answers. I want you to understand and be ready to fulfill His purpose. We're a family, the family of God. Paul in Galatians chapter 6, verse 2, told us to carry each other's burdens. In Romans 12, we are instructed to rejoice with those who rejoice and to mourn with those who mourn. We were not supposed to let anyone in our family face a challenge alone. We are better and stronger together. Everything truly is better in teams. We're going to look at a story from Mark chapter 5. Let me set the stage. It was a miraculous time in the life of Jesus. Leading up to this moment, Jesus had just faced a fierce storm, and he calmed it with just three words, Peace, be still. It's a great story. If you've never read it, I encourage you to check it out later in Mark chapter 4 and read it. But then Jesus delivered a man who had been tormented by demons. Another powerful moment. And that man then told everyone what Jesus had done. And the Bible says that all the people were amazed. A large crowd gathered. They heard about Jesus, His teachings, and His miracles. They were there to see Him, to hear Him, and to have their needs met. We pick up the story in Mark chapter five, verse twenty-two. It said one of the synagogue rulers named Jairus was came there, seeing Jesus, he fell at his feet and pleaded earnestly with him, "My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and will live." Jairus had overcome a lot just to make the request. He was a synagogue ruler and one of the people who had posed Jesus in his teachings. If the other guys had heard that Jairus was was begging Jesus for help, he'd lose his position and his status. Yet none of that mattered to Jairus. He decided to go to Jesus because he only cared about one thing, and that was the life of his little girl. And Jesus didn't hesitate. He came to bless and to love everyone, even his enemies. So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed against him. It was a borderline mob scene. Jairus, Jesus, and the disciples could barely move because of all the people. Everyone wanted to see what Jesus would do and how Jairus would react. No one wanted to miss the action. They they started out for Jairus' house, pushing his way through the crushing and clamoring crowd of people. And then the unthinkable happened. At the worst possible time for Jairus... Jesus was interrupted by a woman with a desperate need. A woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. Now, 12 years is a long time, and a lot can happen in 12 years. 12 years ago, the first iPhone was released. Some of you still have that phone, right? George W. Bush was president. Barry Bonds broke Hank Aaron's home run record. 12 years ago feels like a lifetime. And for 12 years, this woman had been losing blood. 12 years, it was hard for her to remember a time when when she wasn't weak and exhausted, when it didn't feel like her body was going to collapse. Her need was there when she went to sleep at night. It was there when she woke up in the morning and she made her way through each day. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all that she had, Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. Every day of the week, every month of the year, for 12 years, she suffered. Every new cure she tried ended up with her worse off than she was before. She had no hope. In addition to the physical treatments, no doubt she received a lot of advice. Everyone had an idea or a home remedy that would make it better. You know how it is. Someone tells you what kind of drink, what kind of juice to drink. Someone tells you what kind of vitamin or supplement to take. Someone else tells you a brand new diet that's going to make everything better. And then there are the encouragers, right? One that, that tells you their, their aunt never got better and died from the same thing. Another tells you to try positive confession, When you've struggled for a long time, you hear a lot of frustrating, irritating, and occasionally stupid suggestions from encouragers. People say things that aren't helpful in any way. The worst start with the words, at least. And people say, well, at least it's not terminal. At least you have insurance. At least your kids are grown. At least everything else is going good. Listen, if you're talking with someone who's going through a difficult time, leave your at least statements out of the conversation. Quit trying to silver line someone else's cloud. Sometimes clouds are just clouds. To make it worse, in those days, people believed that if you were sick, it was because of sin in your life. Listen, there is nothing more discouraging than to be told that the sickness that you have is God's punishment. There are still people who believe that way today. They tell you, well, if you just had more faith, you wouldn't be sick. It's interesting, though, that those people quickly change their theology when they become sick. In January 2016, I was at the Army Chaplain Training School at Fort Jackson, South Carolina, I was supposed to be out there for a total of 90 days. I'd been up sick the night before with a stomach bug. I, I think that I, I threw everything up that I'd eaten in the last two days. On the first day of class, I was in a training accident. I ended up passing out and hit my back and head on the ground. I ended up going to the hospital, and the x-rays showed that everything was fine. They ran blood tests. They did a CAT scan Yet everything kept coming back that I was fine, that I was good. Yet I was still in pain, and I was still hurting. It's a really long story that I'm going to try and make short. But I ended up getting sent home for medical reasons. When I got home, I was still in an incredible amount of pain. My back felt like someone was was just pushing on it. If I laid down, my back hurt. If I stood up, my back hurt. If I sat down, my back hurt. It didn't seem that whatever I did, my back hurt. To top that off, uh, about a week into after that injury, I began to have migraines. At that point, I averaged between 10 to 15 migraines a month that lasted anywhere between a few hours to a few days. I went to the doctor several times over the next few months. I saw specialists. I saw neurologists. I, I saw orthopedic surgeons. They put me on all kinds of pain medications and anti-inflammatory pills for my back. They, they put me on different things for, for my migraines. The only thing they could figure is that when I, when, I, when, I, when I fell and hit the ground, my back twisted in such a way um, that the MRIs revealed that I had a herniated four disc in my back impossible to do he goes you're probably like one of the million chance of doing that and in my head I went great they put me on several different medications for my migraines and then nothing seemed to work long term they several times that we thought that we had it figured out I got better for a week or two but then the migraines would return the back pain would return nothing worked no cure lasted I kept having back pain and migraines. Sometimes the the pain was so severe that I would just begin to vomit. Sometimes I would lie down in my closet with the fan and close the door so that it was dark and quiet. I tried changing my diet. I tried different medications. I even tried essential oils, which, by the way, is the biggest ripoff in the world. Man, nothing seemed to work. By the way, if some of you use essentials, I apologize. Right? But they didn't work for me. I tried to hide my pain from, from the people around me. I didn't want them to know how much pain I was in. Right? Because I knew people that had it way worse than I did. So I didn't want to bring that to myself. And, and, and between the, the back pain and the migraines, I was in a constant state of pain. Two different doctors told me to get used to it because this was the new normal. On occasion, when I couldn't hide my pain, I was greeted with, Man, you don't look good today. Or, Man, you look like you feel awful. That was encouraging. I knew I didn't feel well. By the way, can I just tell you, you don't look good is never an encouraging way to start a conversation. If you find yourself saying that, know that the person you're saying it to is not thankful, they're not encouraged, and they don't feel prayed for. And my back continued to hurt, and I continued to get migraines. No matter what I tried, I haven't been able to get rid of the back pain or the migraines. To date, I've been sick for 38 months and 14 days. Not 12 years, but it feels like forever. Back to the woman in the crowd. Sick for 12 years, one of the most painful consequences to her illness was the inability to be around other people. She was considered unclean. Her bleeding disqualified her from participating in community or church life. If she touched anyone, then they became unclean. She couldn't go to the temple. She couldn't even be around other women in the neighborhood. The woman was not only sick, she was desperately lonely. She had heard rumors about Jesus. And according to the stories, Jesus had touched an unclean leper and made him clean. He was instantly healed. It was an amazing story. But after all that the woman had been through, the humiliation, the pain, the the countless failed cures, she just couldn't quite bring herself to believe that the stories were true. Especially the part about Jesus touching an unclean leper. Because nobody touched a leper. But what if it was true? What if Jesus' touch could really heal her that quickly and that simply? hope began to flicker in her life. Then one day, Jesus came to town. The woman watched the scene as she had many others for the past 12 years from the outside looking in. She wanted to be near Jesus, but it wasn't going to be easy. People would recognize her. They might throw her out in anger. And finally, she decided, so what if they throw me out? What does it matter because she was already out and miserable and alone. This was Jesus, the one who had touched a leper, and suddenly she realized she did believe. Hope surged back in her heart. Lowering her head with much difficulty, she began to make her way through the crowd towards Jesus. Finally, she was close. She could see Jesus' feet as they appeared from the, under the edge of his robe. With each step that he took, he merely touched the leper, she told herself, and the leper was made clean. So she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I can just touch his clothes, I'll be healed. With what seemed to be her last bit of strength, she crouched down, she leaned forward, and her fingers brushed the hem of his robe. Suddenly, she knew something had happened. Something had changed. And immediately, her bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body that she had been freed from her suffering. The blood was no longer flowing. She was cured, instantly healed by the power of God. And then Jesus stopped walking, and the crowd came to a halt. He turned around in the crowd and asked, "'Who touched my clothes?' The disciples didn't understand Jesus' question. Who touched you? Are you kidding me? Look at all the people around you. What kind of dumb question is that? And the woman's heart began to beat rapidly. She knew that she was the one that Jesus was referring to. Jesus kept looking around the, at the crowd. Finally, she couldn't take it any longer, and so she came forward. Quaking with fear, she fell before him and told him the whole truth about herself and what she had done. And Jesus listened quietly. When she had finished speaking, his words settled her spirit. He said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. And the exchange between Jesus and the woman was over. That quickly, that simply... She had been healed from her disease and pronounced clean. I don't know which one meant more to her, the healing of her body or the healing that took place in her heart. Both would remain with her forever. She would never stop believing that Jesus could heal every kind of disease, every kind of sickness, and every wounded heart that quickly and that simply. I believe she did two things right after being healed. First, I believe she went to the temple or the church for the first time in 12 years. And I believe that for the first time on on her way, she touched people. She hugged people. Anyone that she knew, everyone that she saw, it felt so good to touch someone again. The pain was gone. The suffering was over. She had been touched by Jesus would never be the same at the year and a half mark of my sickness at the north texas district council during our business meeting we had a prayer time for pastors that needed healing i stepped forward to the microphone and told them what had been going on with my back and my migraines and i remember telling them man i've prayed for healing for other people and i've seen it come i know god can heal me but I don't believe he can. Can I tell you, to admit that in a room full of pastors was quite risky. Maybe you found yourself in that same spot. You know God can heal you, but you've gone down for prayer so many times, you've stopped believing that it could happen for you. And in a moment where I honestly thought, That I would be corrected and had my credentials pulled because of my unbelief. I saw a group of men and women stand to begin to pray over me for God to heal my back. A close personal friend of mine prophesied over my life words that I've only shared with my wife and our pastors that we used to serve with. very powerful words that, that, that just spoke life into me. And that day, my back began to get better, and I began to have less migraines. I've had short-term answers, but I was still hopeful. Since that time, I've gone from 10 to 15 migraines a month down to 3 to 5 a month. My back with continued pain management... And my new chiropractor is better than it's been in 38 months and 14 days. Right? You could give credit to, to the doctor or to the medication, but man, I give glory to Jesus. He touched me. But, Pastor, you're not completely healed. No, but I'm a lot better than I was. And here's what I, what I know and what I believe is that He's not done with my healing. And he's still working on it. I still believe God for complete and total healing in my life. Now, let me just be honest with you, though. If I could do it all over again, I wouldn't. Right? But I'm thankful to God for allowing me to learn through my storm. See, there is a difference between sympathy and empathy. Sympathy is I feel compassion towards you. Empathy is I know what you're going through. I understand your feelings. So you feel empathy when you've been there, and you feel sympathy when you haven't. Before, I've always had sympathy for people who were sick, but now I have empathy. I empathize with the person who has no answers because that's where I'm at. I listen differently. I respond differently. I pray differently. I'm a better person as a result and a better pastor. Listen, I want to help you. If you've never faced an unexplained or long-term illness, let me give you some tips. Here's how you can talk and express care for someone who is in a long-term battle. First, pray for them. Not just during your personal prayer time, but also during worship. Walk over and put a hand on their shoulder and pray. When they come forward for prayer, stand with them. Pray out loud so they can hear you. God will speak through you as you pray. Your prayers can be incredibly encouraging. I'll never forget the uh, Sunday morning when I was getting ready to step up and preach. My friend Corey Lucas sent me a message telling me that he was praying for me and he was believing God for, for my complete healing. Then he typed out a prayer for me. And then he called me after church and prayed for me again. And you might say, but, but I don't know what to say when I pray. Listen, you don't have to pray fancy words. The important thing is that they know you're standing with them. The second way that you can help is tell them, I'm praying for you. Send a note, an email, a Facebook message, a text message, or a card, right? Because God uses your simple gesture to remind your friend that they're not alone. It says to them, I'm in the battle with you. See, throughout my, my sickness, several friends have texted or emailed me regularly telling me that they were praying for me. It never felt that their texts or emails came at the exact moment that I needed the most encouragement. Third, express your love. Hug them. Tell them I love you. Don't treat someone with a disease or depression or an undiagnosed illness as unclean. Listen, I understand it. It makes you uncomfortable. But not nearly as uncomfortable as it makes them. Don't let discomfort keep us from caring. Push past that and express love. Remember that the family of the person who's a, who has a long-term illness is also in the fight. It can be incredibly discouraging and can sap their strength physically, mentally, and emotionally. The same things that you say to the sick person, say to them. If you're in that situation, if you're caring for someone with a long-term illness, I want you to know you're not alone. I want you to know that we love you. We're in the fight with you. Listen, we don't always know what to say. We can't always figure out the right words, but we're with you. We care about you. We're not just praying for your family member. We're also praying for you. And in fact, this week I've felt that, that we should have a special time of prayer for those who are caregivers. Right? Be- because you're not just caring with someone with a, with an, with a, a long-term illness. because you're caring for them you feel selfish asking for prayer because you don't want to devalue what they're going through right because you look at it and you see everything that they're going through and you're going, "Well, compared to them I'm not that's not where I am." We understand the struggle. We understand the fight. We're going to pray with you in just a few minutes. Now, here's one thing not to do. Don't use humor to encourage people. When you're when you're facing a long-term illness, it's really not that funny. When, when, When funny insults aren't funny. They hurt. Anytime your idea of humor is to make fun of someone else's physical appearance or condition, you are not helping you're hurting. Listen, we need to completely eliminate that insensitive humor from our culture. If the person who's sick uses humor in talking about it, then you can follow their lead and laugh with them. But don't ever lead with humor. Instead, lead with love. Here's another thing not to say. Don't say, let me know if there's anything I can do to help unless you're actually going to do something. Right? Don't allow that to be loose words. If you offer help and they ask for it, change your schedule and actually help. Now I want to go back to Jairus' story. Remember, he was a guy with the the daughter that was sick, that was interrupted by the woman. While Jesus was still speaking, some men came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue ruler. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? Ignoring what they said, Jesus told the synagogue ruler, don't be afraid, just believe. And so they kept walking. Jesus led, was led to Jairus' house. When they arrived, there was a lot of mourners there. And Jairus silently repeated Jesus' instructions over and over again. Just believe. Just believe. Just believe. He wanted to believe, but the wailing of the mourners told him that there was no hope. His daughter was dead. A woman stood in the doorway. Her face was pale and her eyes were red from crying. She stared numbly at Jesus. Jesus knew this was the girl's mother. Jesus went into the home along with Peter, James, and John, Jairus and his wife. There were mourners in the house, uncles, aunts, a grandmother, friends, probably some nosy neighbors, all wailing and moaning. And Jesus asked, what's up with all this moaning and wailing you're doing? Be quiet. The girl's not dead. She's just asleep. The mourners were so shocked by the words of Jesus that they forgot to mourn. In a house filled with sorrow, the mourners laughed at him and made fun of him. To them, Jesus was a fool. The child is asleep? What is he thinking? Who does he think he is? And so Jesus kicked them out of the house. Man, Jesus was bold. I mean, there have been some times that I've wanted to kick people out of the house, but I've never done it, right? But Jesus did. Now, there was no one in the house but Jesus, Jairus, his wife, and, of course, a 12-year-old girl who was merely asleep. Jesus led them into the room where the child lay. She appeared peaceful and beautiful as if she was just sweetly dreaming. But her chest didn't rise. No sound was heard. She didn't stir. Jesus went to her bedside. He knelt down and he took her tiny hand in his. He said, Little girl, I say to you, get up. And you know what happened? The girl stood up and began to walk around. Can you imagine the scene? The mother and father fell to their knees praising God and thanking Jesus. Right? This religious leader no longer had any doubts about Jesus. And they hugged their daughter who had no clue what was going on because she was just asleep. It was a beautiful reunion. One that every parent in here can identify with. No doubt that Jairus and his entire family became lifelong followers of Jesus. Listen, if you're in a, li- in a long-term battle, here's what you can learn from the story. Don't let anything keep you from Jesus. Jairus had to overcome his peers, his belief system, and his fears. But he did. He risked it all, and he ran to Jesus. Don't let anything keep you from Jesus. The woman had to overcome her shame, her disappointment, her discouragement, and the disapproval of others. And she overcame it all, and she pushed her way through the crowd to Jesus. Don't let anything keep you from Jesus. I know you've had your doubts, but so did Jairus. So did the woman who had been sick for 12 years, but don't let doubts keep you from Jesus. I want to share with you something that really ministered to me. When you're struggling with doubt and you wonder if there's ever going to be an answer, if the battle ever seems endless and you're not sure that your prayers are being answered or heard, know that God is still in control and you can trust him. I want you guys to listen to this song.
1: It's not what I prayed for, it's not what I wanted It's not something I understand My circumstances seem so confusing I'm placing it all in your hands tends to move, you want me to climb, so I'm gonna trust your
0: And nothing happened. You've given up on prayer. Don't let anything keep you from Jesus. You're worried what other people will think. What will your girlfriend or your husband or your co-workers think? Won't people wonder why you haven't been healed yet? Why you keep going forward for prayer? Listen, don't let others keep you from Jesus. When I was sick, I had those same thoughts. What will people think if the pastor keeps going down for prayer? I decided that I needed the touch from God more than I feared the criticism of judgmental people or the questions from skeptics. I can't tell you how many times I've gone down for prayer. Push through the crowd and push past your pride. Don't let anything keep you from Jesus. Second, know that God hasn't forgotten you. Jairus had to feel forgotten. His daughter died while this woman was healed. I mean, what would have happened if Jesus wouldn't have done that and and he'd have gone straight to Jairus' house, then maybe my daughter wouldn't have been killed or wouldn't have died. He thought Jesus was too late. Maybe you feel forgotten. You've seen other people healed, other people blessed, or other people's children turn around. you thought, hey, God, what about me? Listen, God has not forgotten you. He knows right where you are and precisely what you need. Today might be your day third is one touch from jesus changes everything a 12-year illness was immediately healed a dead daughter was brought back to life in a moment and all it took was one touch from jesus maybe you've given up on the answer you've tried everything Listen, I've got good news for you. It doesn't matter how long you've struggled. It doesn't matter what the doctor's report says. One touch changes everything. One touch from Jesus changes everything. Would you bow your heads with me? If you're facing a long-term illness or chronic condition whether you're on the front end of it or it's something you've been going through for a long time. I want to pray with you. I believe that just like the woman who touched the edge of Jesus' garment, that he can touch and heal you. If that's you, would you just stand right there where you are? We're going to pray. Well, Pastor, what will people think if they see me staying? They're going to think that you need prayer for a long-term illness. That's what we just talked about. If you're facing a long-term illness or a chronic condition, I want you to get up. I also want to pray for you if you're caring with someone that has a long-term illness. I know that that's a unique situation and a struggle. And we want to pray with you and we want to lift you up. Pray that God will give you strength and encouragement. If that's you, would you stand as well because we want to include you as we pray today. What I want to do is, is I want to have you come forward here in the front area. Would you step out from where you are and come down here? If you can't step out and come forward, just raise your hand. One of us will come to you. We're going to ask you how we can pray. You can share with them how you'd like us to pray for you. We're going to lay hands on you and pray in believing God for your healing. James 5.14 says, Is any among you sick? he should call the elders of the church and pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of Jesus. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. Would you pray with me this morning? If you see somebody down here in the front and, and you say, you know what? I believe God for them. Would you just come and stand with them? Come, come put a hand on their shoulder. Come put your arm around them. we're going to pray and this morning maybe if if you're not here you're not dealing with a chronic illness you're not dealing with with chronic and you're not caring for someone long term then today would you just pray for those who are because even though it might not be you today it might be coming up (laughs) so begin to pray right now out loud there where you are we pray for those who couldn't be here today, God, because of sickness or illness. God, we pray that right now where they are, whether it's in the hospital, whether it's sitting at home watching this online, Lord, we pray that your healing touch would be all over them right now. God, we we speak to cancer, and we declare it healed in Jesus' name. God, that by His stripes we are healed and we were healed. And God, we stand on that promise. God, we pray for the caregivers that are at home. God, taking care of their loved ones. Lord, we pray for encouragement. God, we pray for renewal and restoration. God, we pray for rest. God, we pray that in the midst of it, God, they would know that they're not alone. God, that they would feel your presence and they would feel your love like never before. God, we love you. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name.